I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I know I mentioned it last week that I was going to be on an episode of Ready to be Petty, but just a reminder that that comes out tomorrow, and I wanted to touch on one part of it because we talked about the... Rihanna and ASAP Rocky cheating rumors and kind of went in depth on all of that and Amina Muadi's response and the original tweet. But I do want to say, so we recorded that on Tuesday, this past Tuesday. And let's see, that date was April 19th. And then on April 21st, Dumois came out with an episode discussing it. And I just found that episode really interesting. Full disclosure, I don't always listen to the Dumois episodes, but I listened to that part because I was interested to see what their her and her guests take on it were. And again, as we all know, Dumois is not the end all be all for accurate journalism or anything. It's all just rumors along with everything else. But I do think it supports maybe this notion that ASAP has cheated before, and it's probably not shocking that he was cheating again. Again, not saying it was with Amina, but just something to keep in mind. And uh, basically, I'm just looking for anything that confirms my feelings about it. So, of course, I'm a little biased. But with that being said, I also um, read the Vogue Rihanna interview finally, and I literally like welled up reading it. I thought it was just so candid and vulnerable on her part, and I just have such an appreciation for how she is in her interviews and also just the joy that she speaks about ASAP with and it really felt like true love to me so it makes these rumors even sadder especially since she was in Paris while she was doing this interview with the Vogue reporter I don't know I just have such mixed feelings about it all like there's a really cute part where the reporter talks about what a good listener Rihanna is and how she tells Rihanna that she's trying for a baby alone and Rihanna's response to it was just so heartwarming and she even insisted on driving the reporter home because it was 4 a.m. and the reporter was like, I'm just going to get an Uber. And Rihanna's like, no, like I insist, like, please let me drive you home. I just, I think she's the absolute cutest and I, I just have nothing bad to say about Riri and I just don't think I ever will because I love her. (laughs) Like parasocial relationship style. I, I just am convinced I would get along well with her in real life, just like everybody else is convinced of. That being said, ASAP in general is just not having a great week. So on top of all of the cheating rumors, we also talked about this on Ready to be Petty. Shout out to Tori. I had so much fun with her. I would love to have her on sometime in the future, even though we don't have guests on here a lot. Hopefully one day she'll she'll come on here and we can have a chat here as well. But ASAP was arrested when he was coming back from Barbados. And we discussed how there's pictures of Rihanna and ASAP at the Barbados airport as they were leaving. So he was detained by the LA police department and it was in connection to a November, 2021 shooting. And apparently that this shooting wasn't really reported on in the press at the time. Um, but it happened in Hollywood and a release from the LAPD uh, refers to ASAP and the victim of the shooting as two acquaintances and says they got into an argument that, quote, escalated and resulted in the suspect firing a handgun. The victim told officers that ASAP Rocky shot at him three to four times, grazing his left hand before fleeing with two other men. So 
I don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. He's set for trial currently in August. Um, luckily, the person wasn't killed by the shooting, but, you know, not not great. Not great for ASAP. Not great for Riri. I hope she's not stressed since she is in her third trimester of pregnancy. I like just I don't want her to be stressed about all of this. Speaking of legal issues, guys, I am so entrenched in the Johnny Depp v. Amber Heard case. I only started watching the testimony once Johnny started testifying and that happened at the end of last week and I was just watching it for hours. I just had it on in my headphones while I was doing my work and oh my gosh. So there's so much to be said about it because there's just so much going on, but I just wanted to comment on a few things. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and be like, who who's right in this? Or I just am hearing so much about like, well, he's crazy. She's crazy. I just want to touch on some things that were interesting to me from sort of a lawyer perspective. So this case that's currently happening in Virginia is based on a defamation case that was brought by Johnny Depp due to an op-ed that Amber Heard wrote that was published in the Washington Post a few years ago. And then she countersued within this same case. So I am just shocked because I read her Washington Post article for the first time yesterday, and it is really not about Johnny Depp. It has one mention of domestic abuse. It's really more talking about the way women and uh, the Me Too movement and kind of her becoming this spokesperson for it in a way. It's very general and just talking about the movement as a whole in my opinion. Like I said, it never mentions Johnny's name. It mentions domestic abuse once. So I think it's crazy that Johnny brought this defamation claim based on this article. And I think it's spawning from the fact that he's so mad about the fact that he lost his libel case in the UK. So a lot of these incriminating texts and stuff that we've heard about that are so awful uh, from Johnny and just a lot of the craziness, you know, the whole Amber Heard allegedly crapping in his bed all of that it came out in the uk libel suit against the son for calling him a quote wife beater and i think after he lost that case he's just so adamant on clearing his name and being able to be back in hollywood again that that's why he brought this case in the u.s as a hope to clear his name but I am shocked that it has made it to the trial level. Like if I was the judge in this case, and clearly I haven't looked at every piece of evidence, every motion that was filed, I just can't imagine letting this get past the motion to dismiss stage, let alone the motion for summary judgment stage, which means that the case would be disposed of because I, I just don't think he has a leg to stand on for a defamation claim on the basis of this Washington Post article. Literally the line where she mentions domestic abuse it reads as this then two years ago i became a public figure representing domestic abuse and i felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out period that's all it says so aside from that i just wanted to comment on some things that were interesting to me in it first off i had no idea that johnny depp and marilyn manson had a friendship and that to me is red flags because Marilyn Manson, in my eyes, is scum of the earth. With everything that's come out about him and Evan Rachel Wood, she has a whole documentary. It's called Phoenix Rising. I haven't actually watched it yet because it's just I know it's going to be so heavy and I want to see it. I've just been putting it off. But he seems despicable to me. So I don't think that goes very well to Johnny Depp's um, 
character evidence in this case that the fact that they are friends. That's another thing I want to touch on is that Johnny knew by bringing this case, all of the texts were going to be resurfaced. Every single recording that Amber has of him, which include audio recordings, video recordings of him throwing fits around the house and drunken rage, I think is safe to say. Um, he He's admitted that he was inebriated or on drugs during many of these incidents. Let's make it clear that Johnny knew all of this stuff was going to come out because that's how discovery and trials works. Discovery, and I'm sorry if this is like you are all aware of this, but I don't know if I was fully aware of how this worked before I got into law. In discovery, in the discovery process, every piece of evidence that a party intends to use or that they have in their possession is going to be produced to the other side. On top of that, any piece of evidence that a party wants to use as an exhibit at trial they also have to disclose that to the other side. And at that point, a lot of times there'll be these things called motions in limine, and that's what a side uses to stop evidence from coming in at trial. But by the time trial comes, the parties are very aware of what the other side is going to use as evidence. And of course, they can object throughout trial to it coming in. Like, let's say, you know, they haven't had a motion in limine on it, but they they want to object to a certain statement in a text message being used because they might just say it's not relevant, right? Something like that. Or it's hearsay. And, but that being said, they know there's a very likely chance that the judge is going to overrule the objection and let the evidence in. So Johnny knew all of this stuff was going to come out. And I think that's what's shocking to me is that I realize a lot of it came out in the UK trial, but I believe there are certain things that Amber's side has presented that did not come out in the UK trial. I could be wrong about that because, again, there's just so much evidence. But I'm just shocked that he would further kind of sully his name and what I think is his attempt to get out of this whole mess. I just feel like this has made it so much messier. And I get that people do things because they're seeking justice or a sense of, you know, ego gets involved. But it's still really crazy to me that this trial has got to the point it has. Okay, just some other little things that I found interesting. And one of the really disturbing videos that Amber takes where Johnny's just like in a rage, like punching cabinets and stuff. He at the end of the clip, he pours red wine into this very large cup, which he is actually previously referred to as a mega pint in the UK case because it's a mason jar on top of a wine stem glass. Kenzie, have you seen those? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, yes. and they're so corny looking. And yeah. just the fact they're that. Like super like backwards. Yeah. And just the fact that Johnny, like that's what he would be using. Like, I know he's a Kentucky boy, which a lot of people <laughs> don't realize. That is a Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> but I just found that so funny. Like not to make light of any of this. Again, this is all very serious, but I, I think you kind of have to find the humor in some of it. Actually, that's one of his lines. He's like, you know, when there's just such darkness, you have to find humor and stuff. And that's why I called her the see you next Thursday multiple times and said I wanted to burn her corpse. Ugh, again, just not a great look for him. Oh, and before I get into some other things, I also wanted to talk about how Johnny was on his direct examination. So during direct, that's the part that's run by your attorney. It's sort of your chance to get your story out in a largely uninterrupted way because 
your attorney is asking you very open-ended questions. You can kind of just go into this long diatribe. But I was shocked at how long Johnny rambled in some of these answers. And normally before trial or even a deposition, your attorney is going to sit with you and they're going to walk through the direct questions with you so you know what they're going to ask. Nothing's coming out of left field. And you're going to kind of practice what you're going to say, right? Like just to make sure that you're comfortable with answering the questions because that's one part of the trial that you kind of have a lot of control over, right? Your direct examination by your own attorney. It's a chance for you to look good. I just couldn't believe how long he rambled in some of these questions and how off topic and how tangential he got in a lot of it. And it really, to me, was like the ultimate example of court as theater, right? Like he was putting on a show. And I'm not saying he was saying that he was lying or anything. Like I'm not saying he was perjuring himself. I just found it interesting that he really took it and ran with it. And I was so interested in knowing if his attorney was aware that he was going to be this long winded with his answers. And if that was a tactical decision on their part, I'm sure it was because this is such a high profile case. I just cannot imagine they did not run through how his direct questioning was going to go. But Again, just just fascinating the the theater that was going on, and um, I again I didn't see Amber's testimony, but I found this line funny. It says he also accused me of having affairs with stars I auditioned with, like Leonardo DiCaprio. He would taunt me about it, especially when he was drunk or high, and had derogatory nicknames for every one of my male co-stars he considered a sexual threat. For example, Leonardo DiCaprio was quote pumpkinhead. Channing Tatum was Potato Head and Jim Turd Sturgis. <laughs> I'm sorry, like that's fucking hilarious. Pumpkin Head and Potato Head. And I have to give it to him, like Johnny Depp is funny. Like he he has a sense of humor on on the um while he's giving his testimony. Not that I think that's appropriate, but are there parts that made me laugh? Yes. Um you know, and I just think finding out so much kind of about his past and his long rambling direct answers about how he started taking what he referred to as nerve pills from his mo- mom starting at the age of 11 and that he had tried pretty much every drug under the book by the time he was 15 years old, like really kind of just set up for a lifetime of rampant drug abuse. Uh, oh, and another thing I just found interesting, just based on some prior discussions we've had about the euphoria use of nudity in their shows and kind of how it's probably not necessary a lot of times. He talked about this scene in The Rum Diary, which is actually the movie where he met Amber Heard. And he was a producer on that movie. And there was a scene where Amber's character was supposed to be nude. And she's in this crowd and she has on a red bra and she's supposed to take off her red bra and be nude. And he realized in it that because there was this surging crowd around her, he could shoot it where, you know, it shows her in her red bra on. And then the next scene, you just see her, her arm up in the air waving her red bra as the crowd surges in. And he's like, you know, that could give this this implication of nudity without actually showing her nude. And again, this is an example of this. This answer to this question was so far right of what the question he was asked was. I think his answer for this came when he was literally asked, how did you meet Amber? Or like, what was your relationship like on the set of The Rum Diary? And (laughs) 
Like, this is an example of how far left field he goes with his answers. So anyways, it, it, the testimony is still going on. He's um, His testimony is his cross-examination is continuing on Monday. They took a break on Friday from the witnesses. So the lawyer still met with the judge to work out some some items that were pending, but we're going to be back to testimony on Monday. So if you want to tune in, you can literally just look on YouTube, like Johnny and Amber Heard trial, and you'll see live tests, like live testimony coming from NBC. And it's, it's really interesting. If you just want to see kind of a trial going on and how kind of slow it is and the introduction of evidence and objections. I think if you haven't ever watched a trial before, it is, it's really interesting. And speaking of crazy trials going on right now, we also have the Black China v. Kardashian trial. And that's sort of at the beginning of testimony. They had jury selection last week. The parties that are present are Kylie, Chloe, Kim, and Chris because Courtney and Kendall were dropped from the suit. And then there was also in Black China suit, uh, revenge porn claims against Rob Kardashian. But that case has been bifurcated into a separate case and will be heard later. So we will also see that happen. And I I don't know her exact pleadings in that, but I could see her winning that because Rob 100% posted revenge porn about her. Like that's there's evidence of it on the internet. So uh, I think it'll also be intriguing to see how that case goes down. Okay, my next thing I want to talk about is a little bit of influencer scandal. I don't know if how many of you guys are familiar. I would think you are because just I feel like my age set who listens to this podcast, largely female, largely in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s or mid 20s might be familiar with the influencer Tinks. And I've been a big, big fan of Tinks. Um, I follow her. I like her content. I, I enjoy it. I find her relatable as another gal who's like in her 30s and single and doesn't have kids. Uh, she's had some old tweets resurface that are not flattering. And the ones that really struck me was there was one where, I mean, a lot of them are not good, but really fat phobic ones. Her saying fat people at Coachella, LOL. And that literally came out as she was like going to Coachella. That got resurfaced. So that was very timely. Um, she made a comment about Kim Kardashian. It says, Kim Kardashian is so fat. I don't know what to do with myself. Hashtag oops. And that was tweeted 10 years ago. So that was January 13th, 2012. I believe that. Yeah. And I believe that Tinks uh, graduated college in 2013. I graduated in 2011. So she would have been um, a junior in college when she tweeted this. So again, it's like, yeah, should you, should we be like focusing so much on things people tweeted 10 years ago or canceling them for it? You know, maybe not necessarily, but I still think that's pretty gross to be tweeting crap like that when you're a junior in college. And it's interesting because she hasn't commented on it yet. And like I said, there's a lot of tweets that came up, um, sort of about her political leanings. But again, I think to me, the ones that were most striking were, that one, especially since she's always talking about the Kardashians and how much she loves them and using their products. So it's just sort of ironic. And I just I just think it's so sad ever, I don't know, just talking about people's bodies in that way is just disgusting. And again, not that, I think it's important to realize like there's nothing inherently wrong with, you know, f- having fat or fatness, but clearly she was tweeting these to be 
hurtful, right? Like these weren't saying it in a nice way. Um, so anyways, I'm just interested to see how she responds to that. And I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about it yet. And I could see it kind of blowing up as the weeks go on. And it, it really came to fruition in um, a Reddit snark page, which again, I have mixed feelings about snark page because I think a lot of times they're just so petty and really just perpetuate kind of hatred on the internet. But uh, again, it can't be denied that she did tweet these things. And again, the Reddit page, I think, is where they kind of came to light. All right, moving on to our first article of the day. Of course, this is based in Florida. And actually, my articles today, I kind of picked some odd ones. I kind of wanted not super just like celebrity-based ones. I was just picking ones that I thought were interesting and a little different than what we usually talk about. But again, of course, this took place in Florida. It's called Maybe Don't Sneak Weed Into Your Wedding Food by Danielle Cohen. She writes, there's few experiences I wouldn't wish on my own worst enemy. Parallel parking, clubbing with Aaron Adams, and suddenly being way too high at a wedding. This last nightmare was an unfortunate reality for 50 people at a Florida wedding in February, where the bride and her caterer allegedly conspired to serve their unsuspecting guests a weed-infused olive oil dip, causing the event to spiral into marijuana-induced mayhem. Ay ay ay. I mean, first off, this is literally drugging people. There, there's no two ways about it. You are drugging people by doing this. B, recreational marijuana is not legal in Florida. I am a prescription marijuana cold card holder, so I know for a fact it is not recreationally allowed yet. And even if it was, this would still be drugging people. But let's say you're in a state where it is allowed. Like I would think it would be okay to have a wedding where you have something clearly labeled as like, this is THC. But even in Florida, if you have an edible or something in Florida, the edibles stamped on the edibles, it says THC exclamation mark. It has like a big thing around it. They want to make it very clear that you are imbibing THC. So, you know, apparently based on the complaint, sorry, this is a very legal themed episode this this time around. She, the bride knew because guests at the wedding asked her if it was laced with something and she said yes and same with the caterer and that's why it was brought against both of them. So it says, the event was so hellish that the bride, Danya Zvoba, and her caterer, Jocelyn Bryant, are facing legal charges for food tampering, the delivery of marijuana, and negligence. While reporters have been unable to contact either suspect, court documents obtained by the Washington Post revealed some truly harrowing tales from their wedding guests. One reported heading to her car thinking her heart was going to stop, while another ended up on all fours vomiting on the floor. Others headed into the kitchen to get water after feeling unwell, only to be breezily told by a staff member, well, there's cannabis in the food. As Kizzy just brought up, it's very similar to that scene in Yellow Jackets where she puts the mushrooms in all of their soup and they're just like blitzed out of their mind. Also, as someone, I think, who has taken too many edibles on accident um, in the form of like shittily made brownies, Kinsey and I can both relate to that experience. There's nothing that makes you feel worse. Like you truly feel like you are losing your mind. The paranoia, the the like intense panic attacks that can happen. I cannot imagine being at a wedding. I would promptly have to send myself home. I do not understand because I don't get drug uh, you know, chemistry enough, but like why is it 
that I you hallucinate on edibles because like I truly I took it once I remember my hallucinations and I was so fucking frightened I also all of the blood rushed to my knees and my elbows and I was like very white everywhere else it was the scariest experience as far as eating something yeah it's it's just not pleasant so and like I said I'm sure this is a very relatable experience because I think a lot of us have been there, done that. All right, moving on. Stephen King's lifestyle content will haunt me forever. This is also by Danielle Cohen. This story is giving me very Rob Pattinson's pasta sandwich in the microwave. Um, She writes, blame it on TikTok, but lately it seems like everyone is full of unsolicited advice on what to make yourself for dinner. No one is immune to the siren call of telling people what and how to cook. Not even horror writer Stephen King, who recently shared some instructions for a meal that will haunt me forever. Please don't say I didn't warn you. So this is what his tweet reads. Dinner. Get a nice salmon filet at the supermarket. Not too big. Put some olive oil and lemon juice on it. Wrap it in damp paper towels. Nuke it in the microwave for three minutes or so. Eat it. Maybe add a salad. (laughs) He then retweeted a response from someone named Cat underscore Swafford saying, I can vouch for Stephen King's salmon recipe for the microwave boys and girls. It's delicious. I have been microwaving salmon for years with different spices and then placed over jasmine rice. He then said, I have one thing to say to people slagging on my salmon recipe. Don't knock it if you haven't tried it. All caps. And he he wrote it as OT, which is relatable. You know, I am a pescatarian. I love my microwave. I am a lazy. I have some Trader Joe's frozen salmon salmon in the freezer. So I'm down to try. You know, like it's more which I think what people are disturbed by is like the smell that would emit from it. Because I do think there's a difference in cooking or air frying your salmon versus microwaving as far as smells go. I will say I air fried salmon the other day and I thought it turned out pretty well. Yeah, Kenzie said it was very good. I did like a little miso paste marinade, put it in there, got a nice little crisp on the bottom. I think that's my other issue with this. This is giving very much like uh, soggy wet salmon, which is fine. Like I do like like a nice parchment paper salmon is nice. Um, My other beef with this, olive oil and lemon is great seasoning. You can't go wrong with olive and lemon juice. But where is the salt? Where is the pepper? Where is the spice? Like I need a little more, a little more something, a little more oomph. And salmon can take it. Salmon can take a lot of seasoning. So I don't know, but I am going to try it and I will report back. So remind me, Kenzie, next time we make our salmon, I'm going to microwave it. Oh, she looks so disturbed. It's, you know, it's just another way of cooking something. It's better, you know, and this I will say, I think I said this when I like on my follow up episode to Robin. Sorry, I can't speak. Rob Pattinson pasta recipe in the microwave. Verge had texted me being like, no, I have this thing that makes pasta in the microwave and it's really good. So this is the thing. There's always going to be people out there supporting the microwave method. And I think there has to you have to give some credit to that because if there's enough people out there saying it's good, it probably is. I'm not trying to criticize the microwave. I understand it was genius invention. It's just, I do like a little crispiness on the salmon personally. I know, but this is for the purpose of an experiment. So we just, we have to do it. All right. This is the creepiest way to get someone to date you. This article is by Mia Mercado. Her, I'm literally including this one mainly because 
of how in Mia goes in this article, this transcends journalism. This becomes a full-on opinion piece, which obviously the cut's breed of journalism is a little bit snarky in its writing. But this is how she begins the article. Fox News commentator Jesse Water thrives on fuckery and then goes on to cite a lot of problematic racist things that he's brought up. And then she says, during a recent episode of The Five, a Fox News panel show that plays in the lobby while you're waiting to get into hell, (laughs) Waters shared this fun anecdote. Quote, when I was trying to get Emma to date me, he began, the first thing I did, I let the air out of her tires. And then Mia writes, ha ha, what? Question mark. So apparently he said she couldn't go anywhere. She needed a lift. I said, hey, you need a lift? She hopped right in the car. The other four panelists laughed and laughed. Fox News recent comedian Greg Gutfield jokingly said, you're basically the Zodiac killer. And then when fellow panelist Janine Pirro asked, is that the first time you did it or did you use that before? Water pause, Waters paused before saying, works like a charm. Oh, the heebie-jeebies this gave me. I don't care if it was a Fox commentator, if it was a celeb. I don't care who said this. It is so disturbing and messed up. And, like, I think legal action should be taken. Like, that's tampering with your personal property. Literally. And, like, did he pay for her tires? Or did the poor girl just have to go take her car to the shop and, you know, probably get an Uber to work the next day? Because she had to get her tires replaced. I mean, it is insufferable, disgusting behavior. And I'm just blown away with it. I really hope he's joking about the whole thing and that this didn't actually happen. Like, I hope this is just a metaphor or something. I don't even want it to be a metaphor. I just want it to be untrue. Because, damn, like, (laughs) I'm so, I'm so disturbed by it. And again, just Mia's commentary, like, that plays in the lobby while you're waiting to get into hell. Oh my God. Okay. So you guys know I've been starting this thing where we do like one blind item at the end of the episode. So I wanted to kind of tie in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, but I didn't want to do a blind item about them. But Paul Bettany's name has come up a lot in these trials because a lot of the text messages that were problematic were between Johnny Depp and Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany, most recently, you might have seen him in WandaVision. He plays Vision, so he's part of the Marvel Universe. So this blind item is from December 9th, 2020, and it reads, While promoting this new streaming movie, the foreign-born A-list actor of the movie has made it very clear he will not be discussing any of the legal drama that has recently touched his life. I wonder if we can ask questions about the swinger lifestyle he used to have with his actress wife. That is much more fun anyways. So to fill this in for you, Paul Bettany was promoting a movie. He made it clear he will not be discussing any of the legal drama that involves Johnny Depp that was touching his life. And uh, this is from NT's website, Crazy Days and Nights. NT is saying, I think it'd be more interesting to ask about his swinger lifestyle with Jennifer Connelly, who's Paul Bettany's wife. So I... This I found intriguing because as we've touched on, you know, celebrities are always going to be cheating. There's always going to be coke. But hearing about celebrities who have maybe kind of openly a swinging lifestyle, I find that fascinating. And Jennifer Connelly and Paul Benny, they kind of have that very buttoned up look, like not to judge people on how they look, but I think they both look so classic and elegant and refined. So the thought that they're swingers, I'm just like, Oh, spicy. Like, does anyone have anything to say about this? And as usual, you know, take blind items 
I wish I had a better saying than take them with a grain of salt, but they're never confirmed. This isn't journalism. Who knows if it's true? But hey, a lot of people swing these days. So who's to say that uh, Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly aren't? I wonder if they have any um, pineapple paraphernalia around their house to signal to people. I also imagine celebrity swinging, like, are they swinging with other celebrities? How do they find their their partners? Do they just get them off Raya or something? Who knows? Again, if anyone has any insight, let me know. Okay, we've reached our legit shit of the day. Okay, so these are some pajamas I ordered in preparation for my nose surgery because you need some button-down items. And I got them off Amazon. They were about $40. They are so comfy. I will say they attract dog fur. I have, I'm currently wearing them as I record this. They have dog fur literally all over them. I have the black color. I found out about them from Miss Remy Ashton, my favorite YouTuber that I've definitely mentioned on here before. Uh, but they're just really comfy. Like if you're looking, they wash well. I've washed them and dried them actually because usually I don't dry my clothes like that. But I let them air dry, but I wanted to test them out in the dryer and they still feel super soft, super comfy. I just can't say enough good things about them. They don't look super expensive. They have these little plastic buttons, but again, for 40 bucks for the top and bottom, like a classic button down pajama set, I highly, highly recommend. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As a reminder, you can find me at Bailey Evan on Instagram or at Kind of Cute Podcast. I love to hear from you guys. Please reach out whenever you want to. And you can also find me at TikTok at Bailey Evan. Please like tag me in your Instagrams if you listen to this episode. Tell a friend about it. Send them the link to the episode if you enjoyed it. And as usual, if you could please leave a rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, a written review and a rating would be so lovely. And just one more reminder that my episode with Tori from Ready to Be Petty will be out tomorrow if you would like to give that a listen. And another shout out to her. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you next week. Bye.